Hey, homebodies. Welcome back to the Introvert City Podcast, where we discuss culture, media, and faith in the perspective of an introvert's complex mind. Hi, guys. I'm Seth. And I'm Karina. Welcome back. How do you feel about the new year? Guys, I'm going to be 21. That means that I can legally have a sip. <laughs> I actually had a really weird like epiphany when we were watching the ball drop and the big 2024 sign came up and I was like, wow, I'm going to be 20 this year. And it just, I don't know. I felt like my whole childhood flashed before my eyes mm. and it was sad. Yeah. 19 and 20 are the weirdest years so to be strange. alive. When you turn 18, you can do all this stuff, but then it's like, you have to wait till you're 21 to actually be like a real, real adult. That's true. So it's like 19, 20, you're like, oh yeah, I'm 20. It's and a now strange, it's a strange waiting period, you know. It is very odd. So yeah, looking forward to this upcoming year. Seth and I are really excited. We've got a lot of projects very in excited. the works. Of course, we have a lot of guests lined up and just fun ideas that we want to talk about for the podcast. So please stay tuned. And just as creative individuals, we're very excited to bring on whatever God has in store this year. And speaking of guests, we actually have two very important and special guests. Very close guests, actually. You guys are going to love this episode. I'm so excited. Two very close friends of ours. Yeah, we do have two people in the studio right now, and I'm going to introduce the girl's side over here. So I'm on this side of the studio with a very dear friend of mine. We've known each other for like, how many years? Four? Four plus. <laughs> And I'm just speaking this like genuinely from my heart. She has had such a huge impact on my spiritual life. I'm so grateful for her and her boyfriend who we'll introduce as well. Have a long talk today about whatever comes up. Um, so introducing my friend, Gabby Lopez. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Are you an extrovert or an introvert? I'm That's definitely an introvert. Question. Okay. As you can tell introvert. from my intro- my. How entrance. do you feel? How do you feel being here today? My palms are sweaty. What is going on with you guys? All right. So actually, um, before we get into anything super serious here, guys, on the other side of the studio uh, are the two men. Today, I have uh, a very good friend of mine who I met through the two ladies over here, their friendship as well, who has become one of my best friends, one of my closest friends when it comes to accountability, when it comes to having fun, when it comes to talking about theology, and when it comes to just in general talking about manhood and just we've, had, we've, we've grown a very good friendship over the past year to year and a half to two years. Over here is uh, my friend Josiah. Yo, what's up, homebodies? <laughs> oh Let's <God>. go. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. this He's is a stan. He's a number one <laughs> I'm a number listener. One. I am. I've listened to every episode <laughs> of, pod, of The Introvert City. Literally right before, like, I saw him a few days ago at his house, and he was like, I think I just watched the last episode. I think I'm caught up. Are you an introvert? Okay, I have a, I have a question for you, Jojo. Yes, sir. Or I have a question for you, Josiah. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I have a question for you, Josiah. Uh, yes, Mr. Seth. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Big extrovert. Whoa, love, love whoa, people. Whoa, 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 yes. whoa. Wow. What does that mean, guys? <clears throat> Three against That's one crazy. today. We I have know. two guests on, and both of them are differing. Whoa. Oh. We differ in but a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, we actually we have that on our list of questions of things to talk about, like compatibility and stuff. But first, we want to just talk about, give a little backstory, you know? Back when I was a youngin', I went to youth group, as most do, and I got introduced to a new group because my family had just moved, and I was struggling to, you know, find my place and fitting in, and this was very early in high school. And so I went to this youth group at my local church, and I was very scared of 
these girls that I <laughs> was introduced to because I just felt like they were so close and they were so like they knew what they were talking about. You know, I had never really been in my old church. I should say I feel like I was the one who led the conversations because maybe no one else was interested. And in this group, I felt like everybody was interested and it was kind of intimidating. Um, and I ended up getting very close to Gabby over some um, some conversations that we had. And from there, I th- you started dating JoJo first. Uh, Josiah. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then I started dating Seth shortly after. They got introduced. Yeah, we're only like a couple months apart. They got introduced. They're <coughs> really cute besties now. And that's, that's, that's a short version. That's a short version. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd agree. We'd, we're very cute besties. Right? Yeah, and of course, as I talked about earlier, uh, Jojo and I have become great friends, and I see their relationship, and it's very encouraging. And it's wonderful to see the two of them be together, and as well as the four of us just become very good friends over this, these past couple of years as well. Uh, very life-giving. Uh, Wait, what was your first impression of Jojo? Sorry, honestly, I'm, I'm going to be real. I think I immediately really enjoyed your presence. Because we, we, we met at a Christmas party. Yeah, yeah, and you commented on each other's facial hair for the yeah. that was your yeah. first interaction. I didn't I didn't have facial hair. I commented I commented I on your uh, oh, necklace, yeah. I think. You had a I necklace on. I don't think I wore necklaces. There was either a necklace or a shirt that you had, had on. One for me. It was a necklace or a shirt you were wearing, <laughs> but it was something that I commented on. Okay. We both did. And it was it was like, Oh, that's some that's some good energy. I remember I went home and I was like, I like that dude. <laughs> I, I told her I was like, I like that guy. Didn't uh, you tell me the same thing? I did, yeah. Wow. I think I was like that guy was cool. And then we started doing it. Bible. St- we started doing Bible studies with a friend of ours named Josh. And shout his, out Josh. Yeah, Josh. Josh. We love Josh. <laughs> and his family and some other friends in our group as well. And we met each other, and eventually we we're like, we should just hang out. And we've been really good friends since then. So, what did you guys think of us when you met us? When I met you, well, so we met at Josh's party. Yes. And that was intimidating because you were with the Mannheim Township girls, and I remember, <laughs> I remember, I remember. I went into the pool with you guys because you guys are like sitting on the ledge. Yes. And then like you left, like you got up and left. And like, I was like, like left the party? No, left the pool. Like oh, once okay, we okay. came very shortly after we went in the pool, you got out. And I was like, oh, she must not oh. like me. But that was like the first meeting. But then when you came into the church group, I was very surprised at how much you knew. Like I was very impressed with your knowledge on the Bible and you. your vulnerability like in awe and I was like wow but I was also like I was also shy too so I I didn't really get to know you that well at first but I appreciated your presence I think that's why me and you bonded because we would take the conversations that started into youth group and bring them outside of youth group and like continue talking about them Mm -hmm. and it's so funny because when you're like 15 or 16 and you think you have everything down and you know everything there is to know and then kind of going through that um people would call it deconstruction but I don't want to necessarily call it that like going through doubt and questioning that mm-hmm. is naturally coming with somebody else is, yeah. is special I think yeah. so I think I was drawn to you because of your knowledge as well Thank you. so Jojo what do you think of Seth what did you think of me <laughs> bro you had some fire drip not gonna lie I freaking loved your outfits like every time I see you Hey, don't flatter me too much we're not I said I said loved <laughs> I still currently love your outfits every time I see you um, that was my first impression of you. And then, I don't know, you just seemed like a guy that had a lot of energy and a lot of like curiosity to grow. Like we had some pretty interesting conversations and then we connected on some like, I don't know, deep issues between us that we were able to just 
bond pretty instantly and it was like we hit on that we can have fun together level almost immediately but then just as fast we hit on the we can we can connect on the deeper level yeah and the relationship i mean took off immediately and we were getting pizza getting coffee like yeah our our favorite diner that we would go yeah, to every uh, time. <laughs> love their tater tots. Tater tots. Oh my love. gosh, man! Tater <laughs> and that's how You're we blushing. fell in love. Yeah. And that's how. I <laughs> 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 All right, guys. First, I think we want to get this kind of down on the table immediately. So both of you obviously have certain backgrounds in church and certain backgrounds in your opinions of, of, of the world, and you both are introverts or extroverts. Gabby, you being an introvert, Josiah, you being an extrovert. We want to know both of your brief, a, b- a brief testimony from each of you, starting with Gabby. Okay, so I grew up in the church. I went to Calvary all my life, but my home life was a bit difficult. Um, my father was not really in the picture, and that really affected me growing up, and I harbored a lot of bitterness towards men in my life. And eventually, I believe it was in middle school at a winter retreat, was when I heard the term making your faith your own. And I feel like that's when I started having a true relationship with God, with Jesus. And I was able to go on a path that led me towards him and also towards forgiveness Hmm. to my father and to even like my other family members as well for whatever they might have hurt me. So I'd say if I would pinpoint one main thing that has like, what is it like the theme of your life? I feel like it would be forgiveness. Hmm. That would be a big thing because I was hurt a lot in my past. But now I feel as though I'm healed from that. And that was all due to... God and really growing my relationship with him. Thank you. Um, so I also grew up in the church. It was, like my, my dad was the associate pastor of a small church um, that we went to. He still is. And I have a, a close family. And my life was as simple as you probably could expect it to be. Went to private Christian school since kindergarten all the way through senior year. And my testimony really revolves around overcoming like self-confidence issues, self-esteem issues, and then some addictions that came because of that, that I've found freedom from, praise God, not by my own strength. I really just struggled a lot with feeling like people valued me and wondering what I brought to the table, wondering where I, like what my place was and, Hmm. and kind of always, I mean, it's even revealing itself every day. Like last night I, I was journaling and it just like, I poured my heart out onto a piece of paper of like how I still struggle with some of those issues and just like the ways that it still affects like my need to depend on God as where I find my value, where I, what I place my identity in and how that translates into my everyday life. I believe that I made my faith my own. It's kind of a weird story. Like I always felt like I was a Christian and I knew what I had to do. But it was really like sophomore year of high school was during COVID. It was during COVID that I made my faith my own. And (laughs) it was it was just the time when I got to sit down, read my Bible, process things for myself. And it's weird because it was that time that I found that I was an extrovert um, Mm. when I was at home by myself, because I, I realized how much I desired to be around people and desired to interact with others and not just be by myself. But it was good for me to be by myself. Nice. Yeah, I think COVID really uh, made people or it broke people. doesn't sound the same in past tense. Make or break. <laughs> <laughs> made. Uh, yes, uh, thank uh, you for sharing. Thank you, Josiah, for sharing. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, looking at that, it is pretty crazy. Just thinking about all the, man, COVID is such a, COVID is such a abstract thing now, it feels. A lot of people in our generation <coughs> are saying that after that happened, they felt like it was, like, life just changed mm-hmm. so much. Like, it doesn't feel the same after that. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk about, I wanted to talk about the, uh, our generation as a whole with you guys, because after hearing your testimonies, it's just really beautiful to hear um, people making their faith their own because I really think that's what our generation lacks. And a lot of people have lost hope in Gen Z, um, thinking that we're all addicted to our phones and we, um, you know, kind of lost creativity. So I wanted to get your thoughts on why do you think so many people are leaving the faith of our age group? My first response is commitment issues. I think just our generation as a whole struggles with this idea of making a commitment to something and sticking with it even when it gets hard or even when things don't go the way that you think they should. So whether that incorporates whatever jobs you have, getting married, choosing a religion, choosing a school, it's just people expect things to go well for them. And when they don't go well, their immediate thought is, oh, well, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. I need to move on. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also think idea of Christianity and how Christianity has been used to hurt people. Yes, we, I know you guys have probably talked about church hurt and things like that. But I think just for myself, the way I'm going to approach it now is not, oh, you should be a Christian or, oh, you're not a Christian anymore. It's more about Jesus himself and the relationship that you have with him. Because <clears throat> I know people who they've walked away from the faith and it's all about how other people treated them who claim to be Christian, but I look at them and I and I wish I could say, and I sometimes I wish I could really just tell them to their face, but I wish I could say that, you know, Jesus, if he was here, he would not treat you the way that all these people have treated you mm-hmm. or the way maybe the church has treated you. He would probably be on your side with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely think just the religion of Christianity is what people really have an issue with. I don't think they have an issue with Jesus himself. I would second that. Like, I feel like a lot of people make the statement, they're like, oh, Jesus is a good prophet. He's a good teacher. Like, he makes a lot of good points. But it's like all of the things outside of Jesus, which, if you think about Christianity, doesn't make much sense. But everything that's not Jesus is the things that they have the issue with. This this story keeps coming to mind, but you have certain groups of people who really feel oppressed by Christians and by the Christian faith. And I want to tell them, like, If Jesus, he defended a prostitute who was about to be stoned. If you were, if you say right now, you feel like society has stones in their hand and they're about to throw them at you, Jesus would be there to stop it if he was here right now. Like that's the kind of person he is. He's not someone who's going to condemn you and be like, you're a horrible human being. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And and I wish people could, could look for themselves and see that. And that's not really the case, but it's also not entirely their fault either because we also, as Christians, have a responsibility to represent yeah. Jesus well. However, we're not perfect. Why? Because we're simple. I just want to mention, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and this is making me think of what this man was saying. Um, they're talking about uh, church hurt and Christians being hypocrites and all the talking points that everybody brings up. And this man was in defense. He was a Christian. He was saying, um, the Bible tells us that people outside in the world, right, who are not, who don't claim to be Christians, are not held to the same standard that 
that Christians are. Mm -hmm. Christians are meant to critique and, you know, train up in righteousness, people in their own church, not the people in the world. And it's like we've flipped them. Mm -hmm. We're judging people outside in the world and expecting them to live up to the same standards. But within the church, we're not holding that same judgment and Mm -hmm. it should be reversed. And I just thought that was interesting. I hadn't heard it that way before. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, Yeah. so I'd say that's another reason why people are leaving the church. I would say an interesting take on that, though, is that a lot of this needs to start, like change has to start in the church. Yeah. Because there's people that are in the church to begin with, people that grew up in the church, and we judge them in the way that we should be like training them up. But we have to completely reevaluate the ways that we're doing that because it's still church hurt. Like it's still causing people to feel hurt when we call them out. On one hand, we can say, well, there's got to be conviction there or like you, you like we have to be on the same basis of faith. But at the same time, like we have to go about discipleship so much differently because discipleship and that that goes across so many things, whether that's mentorship, parenting, friendship, brotherhood, sisterhood, teaching, pastoring, any of those types of things. There has to be more of a focus on love. Like Jesus talked to his disciples in a much different way than he talked to the rest of the crowds, but he still did it with the intention of love. And he still did it with the intention of, yeah, sometimes you got to pick yourself up, realize what you did wrong and, and rebuke them. But on the other hand, he's not sitting there condemning everything that they do just because he knows that they're believing in him. That's a good point. I also wanted to add something else that I was picking up from both of your uh, points as well. I think another problem is false affirmation and love in the church as well, and the problem with either legalism Christianity or progressive Christianity, and both kind of pushing this ideology that everything is okay or nothing is okay, and everything has to be some type of conviction or everything has to be, there are no convictions, sin is so abstract that we shouldn't even worry about it at all. And I think it can be really confusing for a lot of new Christians, and even a lot of older Mm. previous Christians or a lot of shallow Christians. Thank you guys very much for, for that. That was really good. And with that, even talking about a lot of young people wanting to leave or a lot of the disbelief in a lot of young people, what are your thoughts on a lot of even current Christians who are currently deconstructing or completely saying they want to leave the faith at all, people like college students or late high school students? Mm-hmm. And more from a, we just talked about like the, uh, maybe they experienced church hurt, but from a theological standpoint, a lot of them are, are deconstructing that. Do you, have you like given any thought to why that might be? I think one reason why college students turn away from the church is the college that they choose. And it, it's it's so interesting to me that, that people don't really want to recognize this because I've seen so many people, and even, even when I wasn't in college, when my sister was, where so many people we knew left the church as soon as they entered college. And it was because how colleges work nowadays and the environments that they breed, and it, and it really isn't helpful towards their students. I mean, we go to a Christian college, and I mean, personally, I haven't seen that many people leave the faith, the college I go to, because I think there are good communities of discipleship there. Now, there are people who definitely experience, you know, bad things at the college I go through, but I definitely think that the college that you go to really impacts the environment you're in, the people who you're around, the things that you're being influenced by. And that affects your faith. And I think it's really hard to find God sometimes in in places where he probably isn't present. Mm. 
Um, so kind of like my thoughts on deconstruction, there was a time several years ago, I think it was before I graduated high school, but I watched these two YouTubers talk about their deconstruction journey. And like, these are some like pretty big YouTubers that I watched for a while. And I like had a hunch that maybe they were Christian, but I don't know. And then they like posted this whole video and it was like pretty interesting. The one thing that I noticed about a lot of people deconstructing is that they start at the wrong place. Starting in the wrong place, meaning what the gospel is, is that you start with Jesus, but you also end with Jesus, and you also do everything in the middle with Jesus. And so they deconstruct because they separate every story in the Bible as something to be proven on its own. And the more that you look at, oh, well, we, we can't really tell when the earth was created. We don't know if evolution exists. We don't know if it's a, if it was the Big Bang or if it was a seven-day create. Like, we don't, is it long, uh, short earth, long earth, or Noah's Ark? Is that real? Like, did that really happen? Or like uh, Job or like they start, decon they, they start with all these stories. And then by the time they get to Jesus, they've already deconstructed the entirety of the rest of the Bible. And they're like, well, this must be false too, because they already have this preconceived notion that the Bible is false. But then they're missing what faith, what Christianity is about, where it's like, I believe that Jesus died, rose again, and saved me from my sins. And when you have that as your foundation, which ought to be the foundation, Jesus is the cornerstone, he is the foundation, then everything else stems from that. They're, they're forgetting what the gospel is all about. And like we, we do this in so many other facets of Christianity too, like especially regarding theology. Like we talk about all of these different things separate from Jesus, but that's where they start to lose their power and lose the importance and lose their truth. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so you get away from that. You lose everything that's valuable, and you lose everything. You, you slowly think, like, things slowly start slipping out of your hands, and that's what deconstruction is. And I think that's that's my take on it, is that you have to do everything with Jesus. That is good. And I think it's interesting if you're taking apart stories of the Bible and you're saying, oh, well, how can we really know if Noah's Ark happened? And so then you dismiss it and then move on to the next thing. If you actually look into the research for most of these stories, there is so much science, like scientists themselves have done reconstructions of these things to think if it's possible of the exact measurements that God has gave them. Yeah. And it is possible. So if you actually look at the research that has been done on most of these stories or on all of them, a lot of them are pretty well backed up by research and science. We we literally just, the four of us and two other couples that we did a Bible study with, we just like two weeks ago spent probably 45 minutes talking about the way Haman from Esther actually oh died. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Because the different translations that we had um, set used different words to describe the death of Haman. And I remember being in the midst of that and almost feeling like, a sense of panic because I was like, oh my gosh, what? There can't be a mistranslation. What is this? And I had to calm myself down. I was like, and then we ended up talking it out and talking about how we actually did like research on the Greek word and we found out that they mean the same thing in essence. And I was like, this tiny like fraction of a story that has, how does this, how does this really affect the story of the gospel? Mm -hmm. It it doesn't. And so having those little uh, back and forths with people about like the original meaning of the word it's very interesting. It just gets dangerous when people take that and they say, oh, well, this word, you know, it was it was put there. We didn't it wasn't originally there. And Heyman was tickled to death. 
<laughs> he was actually. He was sent to the that, IPS. That's the Greek word. And, and like referring to, I think we were talking about earlier when we were talking about the issues of people, we see the biggest problem with people leaving the faith in general, or people not wanting to believe in Christianity at all, is the fact of essentials versus non-essentials. Yes. Um, authenticity versus inauthenticity in the Bible and in the Word, and throughout theology, I think. Because we find so many people struggle so hard with theology, and everything they talk to you about is theological debate theological debate. Every type of ethical issue has to be brought up from a theological perspective and a worldly perspective, which is not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. I think in every type of ethical or societal problem, you need to, especially as a Christian, look at it from how do we believe Jesus would look at it Mm -hmm. and how are we actually looking at it? Because I think there are two different ways to look at it from that point of view. There's a lot of non-essential theology or non-essential problems in in the word that are like, they're fun to hash out, like talking about Haman and if he was hung or impaled or hung and impaled or <laughs> crucified or whatever. It's yeah. fun to talk tickled. about. It's interesting or tickled. It's he fun to tickled. talk <laughs> or it's fun to talk about and it's an interesting conversation, but is that bringing anyone closer to God? Probably not. Realistically it's probably not. Um, if it is, wonderful. I don't know how, <laughs> but that. if it can, great. <laughs> but ultimately things like those if they are not actively bringing people towards Christ or strengthening someone's relationship or questioning someone on if their relationship is as strong as they believe it is, I think that it is a problem and you should you know, you can still talk about those things. Yep. But remember that when you're talking about Christ, that it is Christ. That ultimately the core Christian values are what we are pushing forward rather than just, you know, some other malarkey. Boom. Period. We want to talk about dating. We just mm. did an episode on, um, we called it Our Dating Advice for High School Sweethearts. A couple weeks ago. Because, mm. yeah, I just feel like it's not talked about a whole lot. Or mm. you get one specific branch of Christianity, which will be like a very young married couple telling you how to get married in a year. So, how long have you guys been together? Uh, let me check the date. <laughs> um, three years, two months and hey. 10 he, days, 10 correct? days, 10 days. I don't know. I don't do math in my head. <laughs> so if you guys didn't know, we have, me and Seth have mentioned and <laughs> given advertisement for pre-engagement counseling like 50 times at this point. And we mentioned that there was a couple that introduced us to it. And it's actually them. What? It's actually them. Who did it? Me, you, Gabby, and Joe <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, not even us. Yeah. Not even so, You were the one who brought it up to me, though. I, I don't remember who I, did. I just I remember I, yeah, you, yeah, both yeah. of you recommended recommended it, yeah. and when you did, it actually like changed so much yeah, for us. Yeah. So, how important is it, of course, to keep faith at the center of your relationship, but also to have like a third party to talk to? Because a lot mm. of people would look at college students going to counseling, and be like, "What? Why, do you, why are you guys in counseling? Like, you're so young." How important is that, though? I think it is very important, and based off experience, we have seen. God work through people so much. Like not even just the counselor through the church. Every time we have a really big issue or we're at a crossroads that could potentially lead us separate ways, we go to people who we know love us and know both of us very well, but who also know God. Mm. And when we find, it's kind of freaky too, when we find Mm. that they all say the same thing, like, whether it's my mom saying the exact same thing that his parents say, that, and they don't even know what the other person said, mm-hmm. and, or, and we'll have our friends saying something, mm-hmm. or, like, you guys will say something, and we're like, this is 
definitely God speaking through biblical counsel. Mm-hmm. And it has helped us so much and put things into perspective <clears throat> and helped us get out of our own head mm-hmm. with worries and anxiety or whatever. And so I'd say it's very important to have, like even if you're not a Christian, just to have someone or people around you who love both of you and who know both of you very well and who know the goals that you guys want to have to be able to go to them with honesty and allow them to speak into your life and be encouraging. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. Very good. Yeah. I agree. I think that pre-engagement counseling specifically, I think that it's super crucial to give like a, a quick little backstory on like where that idea came from. Um, I don't think it was originally my idea and I don't think it was originally your idea, but I know that I had a professor in college Quick plug, I'm a psychology major. But anyway, so one of my psych professors um, was talking about this idea like in class and she brought up like many stories from her and her husband's experience as premarital counselors like for students, for people getting married. And there was many situations and stories that she brought up where these couples have planned all this stuff. They've put on, they've put deposits down, non-refundable stuff. They've paid money. They've bought plane tickets. They've done all this stuff. And then they do premarital counseling like a month before the wedding. And some big issue comes up where it's like suddenly like, whoa, we got to slow the brakes, like cool it on this. But you can't because you have things that are in motion that you can't take back. And so they, they, my professor has watched students go into marriage brushing off this argument that they got into during counseling. Then a month into marriage, they're already thinking about divorce because they didn't address this issue. And so with pre-engagement counseling, it allows a third-party person who can ask you questions about your relationship that maybe you haven't thought about and can get you all to seriously talk about this and it can create some conflict. Like it, it can create things that are uncomfortable, but those are the important conversations to have. And the, the whole purpose of this is that you have them before you're making those non-refundable deposits or before your head is all in the clouds being like, oh my gosh, I'm getting married, la, 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 la. <laughs> like it, it, it makes you think about these things. And maybe they ask a question that you've asked each other a thousand times and you know the answer to it. And you're like, yes, we agree on this. Or maybe they ask a question you've never heard before, and when you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah, that'd be pretty important to think about. And now you have this conversation, conflict or not conflict. It's a conversation that needs to happen before the rings go on. Before the rings go on. That was good. I want to kind of talk a little further about the difference of opinion that you can find each other in and how to kind of work through that if you still want to stay together. Because I will say one thing, Korean and I have definitely disagreed on a lot of things. Things that have come up, especially in yeah. the pre-engagement. Yeah. Pre- whether it be political, ethical, most of our ethics are pretty together. But whether it be political things, there's a lot of things that Korean and I have disagreed on, but have come to find that we both agree on, mm-hmm. or we both can find an agreement or can find common ground on that makes it good and that makes yeah. it okay. Um, how do you guys struggle with that maybe, whether it be finding differences and how do the, the compatible moments where you find, we actually agree on this and this brings us a little bit closer <laughs> with Josiah answering first. Um, so like for our relationship, we, like it, it started a lot on having really interesting, deep conversations right off the bat. Like, and that was when we were just friends. Like we would talk about politics, we talk about religion, we talk about family, we talk about friends. 
And like we would have a lot of similarities in those conversations. And I think that was one thing that did draw us to each other was that we agreed on a lot of stuff. But when it comes to those disagreements, when it comes to the conflict, it's definitely been a growing process for us because we have very different conflict styles. Yeah, I, d- I don't think we disagree much or at all politically or ethically or whatever, theologically. <laughs> um, but the, I'd say the main point of difference would be just our family and our communication styles Mm -hmm. not that we have struggle communicating but just the style in which we communicate so whether it's direct indirect passive passive aggressive yeah uh, Mm -hmm. just things like that is where we differ the most i'd say i think it comes down to like the actions that we take based on our beliefs that ends up being different and so it's really forced me like i mean gabby has always been somebody that's been able to think about what she believes, why she believes it, and to stand firm in like, well, this was my point and I'm going to stick to it unless you give me a valid reason that I'm wrong. Whereas I'm much more passive and much more like I've never really been forced to stand up for myself. Um, And so it's been growth for me to be able to like make a statement and recognize before like not just, oh, I made a statement offhandedly and now I'm like backed into a corner and like, oh, I have to defend this now. Like, oh, I actually don't know why I said that. But like to think about it before you talk and to be like, this is what I believe because of this, this and this. And I'm going to say it with my chest and we have to address it if there's an, a, a disagreement. That's been the biggest thing for me, not even like the compromising aspect of what you like. That's That's an important part. But like it's just the growth of like, the entering into a conversation that we've had to grow in. Yeah, because I also had to be not nicer, but I am, <laughs> but kind of nicer. Because I can be very like, yeah. you gotta, you gotta give me some reasons and and not be very dumb. Blunt. Yeah, like I can be very blunt, and my thing is working on just speaking with more kindness and more understanding, and allowing you room and space to think. So, yeah. Yeah. It's it's really crazy how much you learn about your own habits while being in relationship mm-hmm. with somebody else, which is why I think it's so important to be with somebody for at least all four seasons of the year before Preach. talking about like engagement. Because I don't know, I think you have to see how the other person reacts to you. And like I never knew how much I would learn about my own habits through yeah. being with Seth because he drew those out of me. And it's just yeah and especially i'm so similar to you like i'm very (laughs) blunt and i'm very like i need you to give me reasons as to why i'm wrong because otherwise i'm just right yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i want to also know how your introversion and extroversion affects your relationship because me and seth kind of go into these hiding places because we're Mm. both introverts or mad so how does that affect you guys Yeah, because I think a lot of our conflicts early on in our relationship started because of me being an extrovert and you being an introvert and just like the way that we saw the other person live and we had an issue with it. We, we would go into certain situations and like there's probably like three stories that I can think of off the top of my head where I'm being extroverted. I'm, I'm talking with people. I'm playing games. I'm interacting with somebody in a pretty like robust way, I guess you yeah. could say. And you you had an issue with that because it felt like for you, I was able to like forgetting. Yeah, me. like I would forget you or like I wasn't I didn't have like you in, in the special place in my life that you should have. And so for me to dial it back, but still desire that extroversion 
but then also for you to recognize like, hey, it's okay to interact with people yeah. and you shouldn't run from people like every time that you see them. Like yeah. you weren't like that, but like that's kind of that I extreme. I mean, I kind of was early on. I was very fearful of people and those are issues that I, I think I've overcome a decent amount of it to the point where now I understand your extra extroversion-ness <laughs> and I give you your space to be like, hey, I'm going to go hang out with friends without with my friends mm -hmm. and I will have no problem with it. Like I genuinely don't have a problem with that anymore. And I'm like, yeah, go. Like I give you the respect I feel like that you deserve mm -hmm. in those spaces. And then when I'm like, can I just go in my room and, and read my books? And you'll be like, yeah, like <laughs> I'll go and do that. So I think we're at a good place now, but mm -hmm. it definitely was a struggle in the beginning. Yeah. Within like the last, uh, honestly, since going back to college for this semester, like we've both adopted so much more of the opposite tendencies. I've seen you desire to hang out with friends more, go out more, do things more. I mean, Karina being one of the people that I've seen, like every time we come home from break, I've all, like there's at least one time Gabby's like, I'm going to go hang out with Karina. And I'm like, okay, bet, do it. But then for me, it's like I recognize that so much of my issues have to be solved in a room by myself with God. And it's recognizing that when I'm in a room by myself, I'm not by myself because that messes with my head sometimes. But it's to, to recognize like, yeah, I can do, I can watch a show, I can read a book. But like most of the time when I'm by myself, I value that time so much more because I recognize that I'm spending it with God, whether, whether I'm watching a show or not, or like reading a, a, a doing things for pleasure versus doing things for education or edification, like growing. And I think that's interesting that you, you say that because I feel like when I'm with people, when I put myself in uncomfortable situations with people is when I grow and when I learn too, and from God as well. Like you said, you need to be alone with God. That's where you grow. And I feel like I need to be with godly people or in those environments is where I grow. I just think that's interesting. When I am weak, then I am strong. In your deficit, you realize your dependency on God. So like, so like me, me as an introvert, right? I struggle with being by my, or no, I'm an extrovert. Me as an extrovert, I struggle being by myself. So it's hard. And in my, in my weakness in that time, I realize that I need God. And in, for you, like your weakness is being with people and your weakness, you realize you need God in that situation. Yeah. And it's like, I, I forget the passage, but that is, a, it, it's like for, uh, it might be second Corinthians when, when Paul's talking about the thorn in his side, where it's like, for, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Like you guys are saying, the differences between you guys as introvert and extrovert, even with us, because I think me and Karina are different types of introverts, whereas I definitely am a bit more of a social introvert, while she's a bit more, she was when we first started dating, much more of a, I want to be in my room and read books alone type introvert, whereas I was an introvert who was just a very chill guy who wanted to be out all the time. So kind of struggling to understand, she likes books so much. I hated books. I thought books were dumb. But now I read Say books. <laughs> and kind of like how you guys are saying you have like a... a, a, a what? <laughs> what? I just tried to give Seth a fist bump and, and then I like pulled away when he went. Because <laughs> we both hate books. Oh. Yeah, but... That's unfortunate. But yeah, like even how you guys said that you guys are both doing the opposite of what you were when you first started dating. Now I read books and I actually like reading books. <laughs> or Karina, hey. she actually goes out and she's like with people and she does not past so, eight PM. 
not past 8 p.m. <laughs> but Karina does like to go out and actually be with people. And so that's a, it's, it's a cool thing to see when you kind of see the two, uh, two sides differing from each other in a good way and kind of strengthening those weaknesses, like you said, because, like, you know, as, as we decrease, he increases. So. Amen. We have another big question, but it oh. could take a while to... Oh, what's what your you, big question? It's about soulmates, and do you do you believe in soulmates as a Christian? No. <laughs> mm. <laughs> we don't have to go there. We could end now. No. Yeah. No. No. No, as in don't go there. No, I don't believe in soulmates. Okay. Okay. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would say that I don't believe in soulmates. Well, if we're going to talk about soulmates, we've got to talk about that things are in a certain place for everyone. And then if we're going to talk about certain things are in a certain place for everybody, we've got to talk about predestination. If we're no. going to talk about predestination, we're oh talking about Calvinism. God. So uh, <laughs> how many points of a Calvinist are, are each of you? <laughs> I think that I you, you can separate a lot of things from the, the conversation of free will and the conversation mm-hmm. of predestination mm-hmm. because we still are living our life. We have decisions to make and we have people to meet do is there is there divine appointments is there divine interactions that you have with people i believe so and does god bring the peop the person into your life if if he would call you to marriage does he bring that person into your life i think so but i don't necessarily think that there's just one person I like think he can also he can say well here's this person mm-hmm. i think you guys would work great together for yeah. me but if you're like nah like, I think he also allows you to have options to mm-hmm. choose someone. And say so you choose, this is like controversial with the Bible, but it says do not be uh, unequally yoked. So if you're a Christian, you choose a non-Christian, he can still turn that situation out for the better and for his glory if, if you're pursuing him, of course. And it can be a beautiful marriage that results out of that that you've never experienced before in your life. So not saying to go <laughs> yeah, if you're a Christian, but just... <clears throat> Yeah. Like I said, it really just depends on what you make of who mm. God gives you. Yeah, the disclaimer is that evangelism dating can be extremely hurtful. Yeah. Do not Don't do, do that. that. But I think, yeah, I think that there's just this idea like God places choices in front of you. They can be testing points of your faith mm-hmm. to to say like, oh, do I want to choose this person? Like, honestly, like when you get into those choices of what college do I want to go to? What job do I want to go to? Who do I want to marry, right? You can have this person in your life that you love dearly and and you can have this process of being like, God, like you have brought this person into my life and you recognize that. And it can be an act of faith to commit to the relationship, but it can be just as big of an act of faith to end the relationship and move on. But the key here is for, for Gabby and I, right? There was a moment in our relationship when I got to this point where I was like, I will not make a decision to end it if we're not on the same page. Because if I believe that I'm hearing from God, like that could be the way that we're going, but she's not hearing from it, do I trust her relationship with God enough? I got to a point where I said, I trust your relationship enough that if we're to break up, we will both have the conviction, we will both have that word from the Lord. But if I don't, if you don't have that, or if it's one-sided, then you're not on the same page. Because like, I think that God will give you both the same information yes and it was very interesting because then we took that issue to the people around us and everyone told him you're dumb you're not exactly. doing that and exactly. we prayed for <laughs> what other things you wanted and you got those and those, those doors were open exactly and so i was like so that that, that goes back <laughs> that goes back to the talking to people that god can god can talk through people and so it's like i think that there's there's acts of faith there 
on every asset. And like this, this is where it, it begins to kind of get all mumbo jumbo. Well, well, what's the line? Where does God come in? Where does my decision come in? But at the end of the day, it's, it's both. And, and, and like, we have that ability and God gives us those opportunities to, to have faith in him, to choose to have faith in him. There's blessing in the opportunity to see your faith in fruition, like to see, to see your faith in a mirror almost like to watch yourself make decisions because you want to honor God because you want to bring him glory and you want to deny yourself. Yeah, it's pretty good. I think uh, something to kind of say with that, all the young men in church uh, who are too focused on if you're, if the woman you're trying to date is the one, instead of trying to treat her like she's the one, how about you just treat her like she's a human being? (laughs) Okay. Sorry, sorry, but I'll keep this short. I think instead of worrying about the one, I think you guys kind of mentioned this a little bit, but instead of worrying about it being the one, just worry about having a good time in your relationship and having fun and learning about each other. Because I think if you keep saying, God told me I'm supposed to marry you. God told me you're the one. God told me that you were my wife. She's probably not. I mean, <laughs> realistically, you probably didn't get that. You probably just thought that she was attractive and you're dating her now. And you're saying that to kind of uh, manipulate her into being in a relationship with, with you longer than you probably should be. But uh, try and actually focus on having a good relationship and enjoying each other's company. Yeah. There's a, there's a balance because I think you can have the mindset of like, I desire marriage one day and I desire like yeah. a, a serious relationship one day. So I like in, in the beginning, I think it's more about learning about each other and having fun, like you said. And the serious questions come in time. You don't have to get all of your serious questions out within the first week. And I want to just iterate that. I don't mean that God can't tell you certain things that God can't tell you. Like, yeah, the woman you're with can eventually be your wife. But watch out when you say that immediately, when that's the first thing on your mind. Mm-hmm. Instead first thing of, time you see Instead her. of, what's her name? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I think the woman or the man that you're with becomes, quote unquote, the one when they become the one. So meaning when you make that final commitment in front of God to say, till death do us part, I do. That's when she becomes the one. That's when she becomes your soulmate because your souls are now together when you go and consummate your marriage. Being serious, though, like that's a that's a scriptural thing that like that's when the the couples in the bible like they would get yeah. married and they would go off and they would do it during the wedding and then they would come back and everybody would be like mad hype for them because they're like <laughs> yo y'all just got married like that's in front of god that you just did that the papers the the words like that that means nothing god sees what he created and he created that for a purpose and that purpose is to be the, the the sign gift of what marriage is. In the same way that you're baptized, that's a sign of bapti- or of, of, of your faith. He gave communion. He gave the rainbow. These are signs that God has given to represent his covenant with his people. He gave sex as a sign to represent his covenant of marriage that he created. And it represent, marriage is a representation and a reflection of Jesus' relationship with the church. Christ is the head and we, we are the bride. In the same way that God and his chosen people of Israel in the Old Testament, like that was his people, they were one. And so we, we see that in marriage. Yeah, I think so many people get that lost in just like, oh, well, like, I, I don't know. There's just like a lot of excuses that people use not to get married and you're missing the point of what marriage is. And I think, yeah, a lot of people will try to, and I'm guilty of this mindset as well, thinking you're already soulmates or you're already one before even, like, engagement. Like, come over, I need to cook this meal for you, whatever. Like, things like that. Like, thinking, getting in the mindset of, like, 
we have to act like we're already serving each other and, and doing these things yeah. or, or guarding. I was just talking to Seth about this earlier today. Like guarding your heart is a very real thing that a lot of people totally overlook. Deep conversations are important, but sometimes those conversations are meant for like a period in time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think early on, early on in dating, you really have to protect yourself and your heart from saving it for um, the person that you will end up with. So I guess what I'm trying to say is over time, as you mature and learning this in dating, your time to act as 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 two people becoming one will be like in marriage. It's like acting as though you're in that covenant with God before you're actually in the covenant with yeah. God and before him, before priest, pastor, and before you consummate the marriage as well. I, I think that's what you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even like yeah. more important marriage conversations yeah. sh- shouldn't be performed. I don't know if that, yes, that I, makes sense. And that even stems back to Josiah's point earlier when he mentioned the issue with commitment in a lot of couples as well. I think the fact that we want to act like husband and wife and, you know, you're like my hubby or, you know, <laughs> my wifey, you know, when you guys have only known each other for like a year and are refusing to commit and instead just say, I want to, you know, move in. I want to be together. I want to do this and act like, you know, we're all together in this. And you're not. Funny story. Uh, so one of my professors from college also told this story. That, like he got invited to a wedding of one of his students. Right. And he was sitting at like the family's table. And um, I guess it was the the groom's sister or uh, the a sister of somebody that was sitting there. Mm-hmm. And I guess she was there with her boyfriend or something like that. And he was like, OK, so like how y'all how long y'all been dating? And they were like, oh, like six years, something like that. But he was like, oh, like when's when's the day? Like when are you when are you get married? Oh, I don't know. And like kind of like nudging her boyfriend like it might be like yeah. kind of edging him on to be like, yeah, I've been waiting forever. Like, come on. And like in the middle of this dinner conversation, parents are there. My professor just goes, stop having sex with him. <gasps> because oh my he's like. If you stop doing that, it'll force him to make a decision because he's getting oh my he's getting the fruit of what marriage is supposed to be. In front of both of them? Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. And in front of like parents and stuff because you're getting the fruit of marriage without the commitment of marriage. And so if you take away this sacred thing, you force them to be like, "All right, you know what? I'm out because I don't get the goods." Or you force them to be like, "You know what? Like I value this person and this this sacred thing is only something that you're supposed to get when you get married. Mm-hmm. And when you see them, if they broke up, there's a lot of hurt there because things happened before they were supposed to. Yeah. Wow. We, <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, in our last dating episode, I had made a comment about how um, there's a stereotype that Christians get married within months and then they have horrible marriage and and whatever like there's that stereotype and i made a comment to say that everyone's timing is different and some people really do get married within months and they're happy and Mm -hmm. they have a fruitful marriage and some people will date for six or seven years Mm -hmm. and i wish i could go back and kind of uh edit what i said a little bit because i don't think you should date for six or seven years with no serious conversation or no talk of marriage in mind like if you're if you're been dating since high school like like all of us in this room you kind of have to take your time. You have to mature. You have to wait till your brain develops. You have to go through education. Uh, long years are necessary for a good relationship there. Whereas if you're already out of school and you know what you want, and and in that context you're dating for six years and not thinking 
about your future at all, I think that's very different. For all y'all single people out there that don't have a relationship, keep, like, that's good. That's a good thing. It's okay. It can be. It can be a good thing. Like, there, yeah. there's calling for that. Your, your but, singleness is not a punishment. No, exactly. <laughs> but kind of what go, going off what Karina said, where she was like, for those of you that are older and know what you want, for those of you that are single, regardless of what age you are, if you're in high school and you listen to this, awesome. If you're 30 and you listen to this, awesome. If you're older, younger, whatever, cool. Know what you want before you get into a relationship. That's my biggest piece of advice for anybody that's listening to this and hears advice before they get into relationships is know what you want before you get into a relationship because it will completely change everything about the way that you date. Um, dating itself can be a whole nother topic of a conversation and like what the institution of dating is. Like when did it start? Why did it start? Should it be a thing? Should it not be a thing? All those types of stuff. Like know what you want and you'll be intentional about dating. All right. Well, I think uh, that was a really great episode, guys. We really appreciate you guys coming out here and taking time to talk to us and have a good episode yes, with us today. This you. is going to be kind of a long one, I think. Be a little bit That's of a okay. longer one. You know, podcasts now are like four hours. That's true, dude. We're on the shorter end. Let's go. Like the whatever podcast. If you guys ever watch any oh, of those, gosh. you have to watch those over like five days. Yeah, because they're like four and a half hours long. Yeah. Um, although you probably shouldn't, because a lot of them are pretty rough. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um. Uh, yeah. This one's going to be a bit of a longer one, but I really enjoyed it. I think we had some really good conversations, talked about yeah. some really essential stuff, talked about the issues of some non-essential stuff, talked about some good dating advice and some good uh, advice for those who are thinking about marriage, and also for just some young people who are struggling with feeling secure in a relationship or single. Uh, so overall, guys, um, thank you guys for... don't forget the deconstruction part from the beginning. And deconstruction. <laughs> But uh, overall, guys, this was a really great episode. And um, again, I appreciate you guys taking the time thank to come out here. Us. Yeah, thank you so much for having thank us. You guys, you guys are I wonderful. Um, <laughs> you can find us at the underscore introvert underscore steady. Yes. On Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And TikTok. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can find me at Karina underscore B04. You can find me at it's underscore D A N E Y L. Yes, and we'll be back. We're finally on a new routine. We took a little break. Yep, guys. We'll Happy New Year. Pumping out episodes. Yes, we'll be pumping out some episodes. This, this is the second of January. Happy New Year. Oh yeah, Happy New Year, guys. We hope you guys have a really good one. Uh, bye, homebodies. Bye, homebodies. Bye, homebodies.